from Relay FM. This is Upgrade, episode 169. Today's show is brought to you by Balance Open, Text Expander from Smile, and Encapsula. My name is Mike Hurley. I am joined by Mr. Jason Snell. Hello, Mr. Mike Hurley. How are you? Hi, Mr. Jason Snell. I'm very well. I'm very well. How is your Cyber Monday going? Because, you know, it's Cyber Monday. And people, the history, there's a, Jason, a long history Jason, of Cyber Monday. Jason, Jason, nobody, everybody cares about Black <laughs> Friday. Nobody cares about Cyber Monday. And it is time for a return for me asking you questions in hashtag Snail Talk. Yeah, you know, we did it last week. We did it last week without you. It was weird because I had to ask John a question. It was strange. It was good, though. Fun episode. Thank you to Mr. Syracuse for filling in for me. But uh, Rob asked a question of you, Jason. What privacy settings do you use, Jason, when Apple asks you to help improve their products and services by sending them data? Do you say yes? It depends entirely on the mood that I'm in. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. <laughs> I generally say yes. Sometimes I'm uh, setting up a, a device and it's meant to not live very long and it's just for referencing or testing or something like that and I'll sometimes I'll say no and just be spiteful but generally I say yes because I think it's helpful to Apple and app developers to get that you know crash reports and stuff like that especially I think that's uh, maybe useful and so uh, I don't have a problem with it I'm not I'm not uh, talking to you now from underneath my tinfoil hat so I would say I say yes interesting what about the else third party developers do you do the same yeah yeah, I always say just yes. Like, I mean, what's the harm, really? Like, what's the harm? I just say if yes. If a credible report came out that that information was being used for evil rather than good or was a potential, you know, major security hole or something, et cetera, et cetera, I would consider not. But I have not seen anything that suggests that. And we know those third-party developers, right? We know a lot of those people. I, I definitely want to share that information with them so that they can, uh, if it's if it's useful. And I don't think it's harmful to share it. Um, and it might be useful. So, yeah. yeah. Thank you, Rob, for your question. If you would like to ask us a question to open the show, just send a tweet with the hashtag SnellTalk. It will go into a document for me to pull out later on, and then you can help us uh, introduce a future episode in fun and exciting fashion. Talking about fun and exciting. Ah. It is that time of year. We are reaching the end of the year, and on this show... Winter mean... of fun! No, it does. Not the winter of fun. Oh, no, okay. it's something Sorry. much more prestigious than that. Oh, thank goodness. I was I was worried that we were going to be slumming it with uh, immediately uh, ripping off the summer of fun with the winter of fun. We don't need to worry about that. We're going to be doing the fourth annual Upgradies Awards. <laughs> so that's coming. Uh, we're actually going to be releasing <laughs> the episode on January the 1st. So you have a, a treat to look forward Perfect. to on New Year's Day. Yeah, we we have uh, the fortunate as a as a Monday releasing podcast. We are releasing episodes on Christmas Day mm-hmm. and on New Year's Day. Yep. But what better we we did we debated this. We talked about this for for a while. What better way to cap off the year and start the new year than with the upgradies? There's no better way. It's like it, it makes it, it it allows us to wrap up uh, 17 and move into 18. It's perfect time. If you are new to the show. Um, the Upgradies Awards, uh, we have done this every year for, this will be our fourth year, and we basically sit down and we talk about some of our favorite things of the year, some of our favorite things of all time, and we hand out awards. Um, if you are familiar with uh, the Eddie Awards from Macworld, I think we took some some like uh, 
some inspiration from there and we sure. figured we should we should carry on and improve and make a much better tradition and we did with the upgradies which is the most prestigious award that anybody can win uh, within a mm. year if you've never heard an upgradies <laughs> award episode i will include a link in the show notes to the 2016 upgradies but we're of course talking about the 2017 upgradies and because all, like all great traditions, they should be changed over time. Uh, we are going okay. to be okay. slightly slightly improving, I believe, <laughs> the way that we're going to be doing the upgrading. Mm. So last year... The That's 20- the way to say it, by the way. Like all great traditions, it's improved over time. Because then who can... Okay. Who can Change is terrible, but oh, improved. improved. I like it. Yes. If it's improved all, all every time, that's awesome. traditions are improved, yeah, including the upgrades. Mm-hmm. So last year, we did something different. So in the first two years, me and Jason decided all of the nominees, and then we decided all of the winners. Last yep. year, we looked to our upgradians for some assistance, and we put out a Google form for people to uh, to vote to help us. Like We still provided all of the nominees and asked people to cast their votes to help us pick a winner. We've decided to do something, I think, a little bit more ambitious this year. We're not going to be picking nominees this time. Uh, me and Jason will be coming to the awards with our own thoughts about who we think should win. But we want your help more than ever. So we're going to be including in the show notes a link to a Google voting form. So a Google form where you can go in and you can cast your vote for anything in any of the categories. You just tell us. So if you have a favorite podcast, instead of choosing it from a list or hoping that we may have shortlisted your favorite podcast, this time you just type it in and send it off. You can fill in all of the questions. You can fill in a subset of the questions. It's completely up to you. Go in, tell us your favorites. All of the questions are there from all of our previous categories. We're we're keeping all the categories um, and so we can keep things going. But we have two Lifetime Achievement Awards that we're going to be giving out this year. So both ATP and the Flophouse have won in their categories, which is Best Tech Podcast and Best Overall, like kind of Best Non-Tech Podcast. They have won those three years in a row. So they will not be able to win that award this year. So don't vote for them. It will be a wasted vote for you. Uh, We will be giving them, as part of the proceedings, their Lifetime Achievement Awards, uh, because otherwise they may continue to win the upgrade forever, uh, and we don't think that that's fair, right, Jason? I feel like you got to retire it. If you three in a row, right, you yeah. got to retire it. They they will be put into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, that's it. That's right. They are all time all time winners in the Hall of Fame. So go in, take a look, uh, cast your votes. The voting is only open until the fourteenth of December because we're going to be pre-recording the episode so we can uh, make it all nice for you. Uh, so you have until December the 14th to cast your votes. Um, please go and look, take a look in our show notes. Uh, if you don't see them in your podcast app of choice, you'll find them at relay.fm slash upgrade slash 169, where you can find the Google form, go and fill it out, and you can help us uh, award your favorite things of the year. Whilst you're over looking in our show notes... <laughs> We have merchandise available. This is a this is a real like a real a real kick today through the beginning of the show. Uh, we yep. have merch available. The merchandise is available only until the end of this week, um, until December the third. Jason spoke about it last week. I just wanted to mention once more what we have because it's amazing stuff. We have our hoodie, which has the awesome upgrade upgrade patch and the upgradian secret seal printed on the inside. These hoodies are amazing. I wear mine all the time. Um, there's also the upgrade logo t-shirt which we put on sale last year um if you do not have the black on black from cotton bureau you should get it it is a black t-shirt with a black foil upgrade logo on the front 
I love it. It's maybe my, one of my favorite T-shirts that I own. I've actually bought just another one this year because I just want to make sure I have another one. The reason I'm mentioning all of this from Cotton Bureau is their shipping right now is cheaper than it's ever been. So if you live outside of the U.S., you'll be able to get this for much cheaper because those two products, they're exclusive to Cotton Bureau because we've had to do some funny stuff and they're willing to work with us on that to make these two things available. So go to Cotton... The links will be in the show notes. Go to the Cotton Bureau site. See how much the shipping is to you. I looked for me and it was it was exactly within the realm of what I want to pay. It's like $6 shipping on the T-shirt, which I was totally fine with. Like That's kind of what I'm willing to pay. But it was previously quite high before. If there is still difficult for you, we do have a Teespring uh, T-shirt available. I think it's just red and gray. Um, we'll put links to that in the show notes as well in case uh, the Cotton Bureau shipping is still not to your liking. But it is way better. So if you've missed it in the past or skipped it in the past because of high shipping costs, go and take a look and you can get either the hoodie or the logo T-shirt from Cotton Bureau. They are both incredible. Um, all of the Cotton Bureau T-shirts have a foil logo rather than just a screen print. It, they look really amazing. Um, sales are open only until December 3rd. So if you think you might want one of these, Go and order now because the, the it's ending this week. This is your last warning. I love, I love that T-shirt. Love that T-shirt. I'm wearing it now, Mike. It's I'm wearing so it right good, now. Right? On brand to start my week. On brand. Great. It is good. It is good. We didn't do the brain ball this time, but maybe the brain ball will return at some point in the future. I it's think a it's less only me popular and you that shirt. like that. Like, <laughs> well, we, we've, we've made our order number and you don't have to sell a lot of them. So we may bring it back at some point. Uh, I, I love it. But yeah, it may just be you and me. But yep. I wear those all the time. So when mine get worn out, we'll do we'll make some more <laughs> for you and me yep. and anyone else who wants a brain ball shirt. Yep. I, I wear mine a lot and uh, I love it. But uh, I don't I think large. Oh, I actually when I was going to the to the US, I just came back from a trip. Um, I was talking to the, the very friendly person at customs in the US. Uh-huh. And he was asking me some questions um, and he said to me, uh, what's brain ball? <laughs> what's what's brain ball he i said, hope you told them the good ball? news about brain ball so i said uh oh it's a it's a joke t-shirt um uh, it's about you know for people that don't like sports and it's kind of like a joke and he's like mm, i don't like sports very much anymore uh, my betting book hasn't been going too well, and I was like, "Ah, oh. I didn't really know. I didn't really know where to go with any of this, Jason." Yeah, um, that's right. But yeah, there's that, no betting in Brainball. No, there's no betting in oh. Brainball. No, it's the commissioner doesn't allow it. It's not mm-hmm. not allowed. Um, hey, I had some follow up. Mm-hmm. People may have noticed. You may have noticed as a listener. You you were an upgrade listener. I was now, an, last I was week. an upgradian last week. It was lovely. How was that? It was great. I love being an upgradian. It's fun. Um, it's a little different. So, uh, we, so John Syracuse, very, very nice to have John Syracuse on. Uh, he went on a little bit of a rant as he does, which is why we love him about, uh, voice interfaces. And it was only after he had said the key phrase like 10 times that he realized he had said it a bunch of times Mm -hmm. and said, "Ah, I'm probably setting off everybody's devices right now. And I thought to myself, yeah, you probably are. What am I going to do? Now, I thought I could leave it because Apple has said, oh, well, now they you go through this coaching and, you know, you tell uh, some key phrases to the voice assistant and then it's supposed to be more locked in on your voice. And I have found in my house that that is generally true. Um, although I will point out that one, at least one time, um, one of those things that, that I bleeped out was, um, was a, an Amazon Echo 
uh, active word, not mm-hmm. an iPhone active word. So, um, so I bleeped them all. I decided to bleep them all, and I thought I could beep it out. But what we usually do, and what we've we've established on this show, is that we say "ahoy telephone." Ahoy telephone. And I thought it would be fun if. I could find you, who was not on the episode, saying Ahoy Telephone somewhere. And so what I did is I went back to the archive to, I believe, episode five wow. of Upgrade. Wow, really? And wow. I found I found the first time you ever said Ahoy Telephone. And that's the bleep. With a little echo, I put a little reverb in there and all that. That's the sound that I used as the beep. Now, I, I heard from a few people who thought it was really weird. Um, and then I heard th- heard from a bunch of people who probably thought it was really weird, but enjoyed it. So, um, so yeah, so, yeah. So Mike clipped out of episode five, used in, and the reason I did it in the end, I decided to do it because I thought, well, it'll be funny, and also I don't want to set off people's devices. But when everybody said, well, you know, Apple says that you don't have a problem with Ahoy Telephone anymore. Um, I was sitting here editing, and when I edit, I mean, we do the show and I'm wearing headphones, but when, when I edit, I just have it going through my, my speakers, my iPod Hi-Fi, actually. Um, and I had my iPhone 10 sitting here, and I was editing that part, and I swear, John's voice set off my phone like five times, at least. Yeah. I kept, I'm editing that segment, and my phone keeps going off, and, and, the, and Siri is beginning to transcribe the words John is saying, and I'm like, stop, stop, stop. So maybe it's the timber of his voice and my voice are close enough that it wasn't able to differentiate or whatever, but what I'm saying is, this is why I bleeped it out, is because I saw it in action. It was absolutely happening, and... I feel like it's still kind of good manners to avoid it because it it can be a really disruptive experience, especially if it if it triggers the device that you're listening to your podcast on. So for all of these reasons, the original you got to flash back to episode five and Mike's original. That's actually when you picked which one it was going to be because I li- I listened back to episode five and we had two. We had hello computer, which mm-hmm. is like what Scotty says in Star Trek Four when he picks up the mouse and tries to talk to the Macintosh. Hello computer. And we had Ahoy Telephone. And you said, you know, the one I like is Ahoy Telephone. And that's what I used. So there you go. Because... A little upgrade history. If we're going to pull back the curtain a little bit, Jason sent me a, a message on Slack. And he's like, can I get a recording of you saying Ahoy Telephone? Uh, to which I replied, no. <laughs> <laughs> All I can do is record it through my iPhone. And he was like, that will not do. And then Jason went mining through the episodes. I, I thought about asking you to just use a voice recorder on, on your iPhone and send it to me. And I thought, you know what? He's He said this in a million different episodes. Yeah. I'm sure I can dig it up. And of course, I needed to pick my mother up at the airport because she was coming in for Thanksgiving. And I had expected to have a lot of time in between doing Upgrade and uh, having to leave to pick her up at the airport. And as it was, I got to the airport like two minutes before she landed or before she was ready to be picked up. And I had no time because I spent extra time editing the episode, which I have to do anyway. But then I also spent time dipping into the archives to find Ahoy Telephone and dropping it in in all of the places. Plus dropping in that the music cue, which those who listened to the edited episode and didn't listen live, uh, literally what happens is I say this line that's basically an Eric Clapton line from a song. And he says, oh, you should put in the music from that song there. And I didn't even know the song. I was like, okay. And then I went back later and I was like, oh, I see what John's doing. And I put it in because I do whatever John says. There's an episode of The Incomparable where... There 
are all these clips that it's that it's literally John saying, "Oh, you should put a clip in there." And I'm like, "All right, John, I'll do. I do whatever John Syracuse tells me to do. It's how I live my life." I did have a funny thing where um, you did some really fun things in that episode with the audio. Stephen did some really fun things in Connected. And like I missed them both because I was on vacation. But I still had people tweeting to me to say like how good a job <laughs> I did. Like, I, And yeah. there was something Aww. that I quite liked about the thought of that I'm not on the episode. People are referring to the fact that I'm away, but they still think that I'm editing it anyway. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, that put a smile on my face. It's like, nope, nope, I don't do that. Like, that's that you guys take care of that for me, too, when I'm away. Um, yeah yeah no it's which is which is i mean that's yeah that's the the truth of it is we don't we don't have credits it's not like um like a like an npr kind of podcast where it's this episode up, was edited the upgrade by program Jason was edited Snell by mike hurley <laughs> right we don't we don't we both did maybe the exact we same do thing that. maybe we'll oh, start that's doing a good that idea. like as the as the credits where we can do a longer roll out of the upgrade theme and they'll say upgrade well, I mean, is I presented it down. every week by mike hurley just, and jason just Snell. let it run you know <laughs> executive producers mike hurley and jason Snell. this episode edited by mike hurley but you usually do edit upgrade um i usually edit download mm-hmm. Um, and, but sometimes that doesn't happen and somebody else edits them and that's just how it goes. So it's fun. I was stepping in your shoes there where I had to, I had to read the ads. I had to do the show notes. I had to do all the things that you do. So it gives me an appreciation for you, fellow host. Mm -hmm. And as, as usual, Jason set off the, I have edited the episode signal, which he sets off at the start of every upgrade episode that he edits. Yeah. Which is that I draw, I started at a different time of the theme song than you do. And everybody who is, and you use a completely different version of the song too. (laughs) I didn't this time. I Did think I not? used the. I think I used the proper version this time. But mm. I, I, as a because, I don't know. I was feeling nice, but I didn't. I didn't exactly match it. And I realized. I listened back to when you put in the the where you start the theme song, and I realized. Um, I, I like it better where I started, so I just did it that way. But if I wanted to totally disguise the fact that I edited the episode, I would just ape exactly what you did, which I, which I, I, I almost tried to do, but I didn't. Where try. I start. I know. Like, I know we had this what, conversation. Sam, we, we're, we're so far off the rails now, but I, I had know. this conversation with Dan about clockwise because Dan still doesn't put it in the right place in clockwise. And it turns out <laughs> I told him where he should the put right the, where the show should start. And he was like, oh, that would save me two seconds, which on clockwise is kind of a big deal. So That's maybe he'll do that in the future. Yeah. Uh, so I uh, on on this show I have a very specific place that I start on the pen addict I have a very specific place I'm thoroughly concerned oh, yeah, yeah. a very specific place but on connected mm-hmm. I change it every single week I just drop it in I just move it around <laughs> <laughs> I just wherever I want I just All right. it's not like I'm trying to change it but I don't have in that show like a moment because the the music isn't as like that there aren't beats in it that you would specifically change because it's like this classical piece of music that we that we got I can't even remember who it is I think it's Bach um, and uh, uh, I just kind of put it in and move it around to wherever feels good, and that's where it is that week. Yep. Today's show is brought to you by Encapsula. Encapsula will help you delight visitors to your site whilst frustrating attackers because of their bulletproof security options and fast content delivery network. There is nothing fiddly that you have to worry about when getting Encapsula set up. It is just one small change to your DNS that you need to make, and you'll have it up and running, defending your website from those bad guys whilst keeping performance buttery smooth. So just with a few clicks, all of your traffic will be passed through Encapsula's secure network before it ever reaches your site so everybody goes through the network and what that means is things will load in a snap but also anybody who's bad has come to your website will be uh, will be shut down they have fantastic security policies which you can update if you need to but everything runs 
Hunky Dory. They have real-time stats that you can take a look at on the dashboard and it can show everything you need to know about your incoming traffic. On average, websites using the powerful Encapsular content delivery network are 50% faster and consume up to 70% less bandwidth. As a listener of this show, you can get one whole month of service for free. Just go to Encapsular.com slash upgrade. That is I-N-C-A-P-S-U-L-A.com slash upgrade. Check it out right now and find out more about what Encapsula can do for you and claim that free month of service. Give them a go. You're not going to regret it. Thank you so much to Encapsula for their continued support of this show and Relay FM. So you will remember, Jason, many weeks ago, um, I was talking about getting some bumpers for uh, my iPhone and was looking at like w- what bumper cases would I maybe want to get for my iPhone 10. And I ordered yes. one uh, called the Incase Frame. Mm-hmm. Um, it arrived with me um, a few days ago. Uh, I put it on my phone. It lasted about twenty-five seconds, and it's now going. Adina is selling it on eBay. You just, you just snapped it right, snapped it right into pieces, and right on the end of it. You... Not, no, not good. I had a few people tell ah, me this. Okay. I had a few people tell me this, um, but mine was already on the way. It's not good. So the problem that I had, uh, I really the problem with this case, um, I can tell is that it was designed before anybody actually used the iPhone ten. Ah, uh, right. They never actually had one. Um, if they did, then I don't know why they made this case. One of the problems is um, the, so it's a bumper case, right? So it has just the the rail that goes around the outside, and nothing on the front and back. The case on the left and right hand side ever so slightly covers the screen. Like it's not where it should be. Um, it's not complete. It's like it's not flush. There's just like maybe a millimeter or two, like it overlaps, but you can see it, right? Like I don't feel like that should be right. But the other problem is it's way too tricky to operate the home gesture because the case has a lip at the bottom. So like it's almost impossible to get to the home gesture because you can't swipe up from the bottom of the phone. So it's not good. No, didn't last for me. Um, I had some people say to me that like they hated it because of the buttons. Like, it actually doesn't have buttons; it just has areas that you squeeze. I had no problems with this. That was it worked fine. Like whatever, like it worked fine. But I, I just didn't like the fact that you couldn't operate the gestures. It kind of covered the screen up. Uh, I kind of immediately took it off and sent it back. So not for me. Um, I actually now think that no bumper will do what I want because I reckon now that probably all of them will suffer yeah. the same fate of not being able to very easily operate the uh, the home gesture. There, there's uh, a reason why Apple's cases all have cutouts at the bottom, right? Yep. Well, I mean, they always have, but it, uh, it, there's a reason they didn't add it, right? So, like, you know, they've always, all the silicon cases and the leather cases, they've always had that cutout at the bottom. <laughs> Well, yeah, you don't want to cover up the you don't want to cover up the port, and you don't want to cover exactly. up the uh, the speaker and the microphone and all of that because it just adds more trouble. But it it makes their cases even better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of which, I I um I bought an Apple leather case. Um, I I don't think I'm going to use it all the time, but I'm mm-hmm. going to use it sometimes and maybe if i like it i'll use it all the time i don't want to break the phone i've seen people's horror stories about it you know sliding off their nightstand and cracking the back and all of that it's just terrifying Mm -hmm. and um and i i've got the silicone case now and in a in a color i don't like and i don't like how um it it like makes it hard to take it in take it out of my pocket and put it in my pocket but i do like uh, operating it with the case is fine, and I like that it basically it eliminates the camera bump, 
which is also kind of nice. It makes it, you know, back to perfectly flat when I lay it down. And so I'm going to, you know, I, I decided that in the end I was going to spend the money and get, get the Apple leather case, which I used on the iPhone 6 for ages and really liked. Um, so we're, we'll give it a go. Cool. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, silicone yeah. case all the time now. Uh, because I, I just I didn't feel comfortable enough with it. Um, it's a shame though because that phone is beautiful I without know, any case on it. It I really know, is. I know. I know. Maybe I'll try it again one day. But like I I I was having problems with my hands anyway, which I I haven't. I, I feel like maybe wasn't the phone in the end, but um, the, the, the my grip is vastly better with the with the silicone case. It it feels it feels more natural to me. Um, so it's just going to be tucked away inside of there underneath the, the ultraviolet silicone case, which Joe still loves in the chat room. It's the one that I have. Yeah. Um, it is a wonderful color. Um, so I'm, I'm happy with that at least. So you may remember many, many weeks ago, we were talking about, uh, you, you have an Amazon show, which is the, the echo that has the, uh, the screen on it, the Amazon echo show, I should say. Yep. Their YouTube had been pulled off of the device, which rendered it almost useless because uh, the, the main source of video on the internet could no longer be well, watched on a device. Almost of a useless on it. for playing video. It's got other uses. I mean, yeah. we we I don't play a lot of video on it anyway. I use okay. it for other things. But I would like I would like more access to video, YouTube included. Uh, that right now it's like Amazon Prime Video is on there, and that's about it. Well, it's back. Uh, they don't have it's their back. own app anymore. It looks like it's the web view, which I think lends completely to the argument that um, what YouTube wanted, which was for all of their features like autoplay and all that kind of stuff yeah. to be working. Um, and Amazon seemed to build an application that didn't observe any of their requirements in their API. Um, so Google pulled their access and it looks like basically what happened was Google said or YouTube said uh, – you got to do all of this or you're just not going to get it. And eventually Amazon backed down. Um, I want to read a, a quote from uh, from The Verge just to kind of give you an example of how this thing is working. So it says, based on a tweet from The Verge editor Dan Seifert, it seems that the new YouTube integration only half-heartedly supports voice controls at all, with the new device loading the interface slowly and even then loading a windowed version of the video. The Echo Show still does support full-screen YouTube videos, but users will need a separate... You have to wait. Say echo, uh, zoom in. Uh, ahoy, ahoy, tell, ahoy, lady. Ahoy, ahoy, lady in the canister. Zoom in. And then once you just, once you give that command, it will display videos zoomed in. Like this isn't. This sounds just really half baked. Like just just not good. Um, which is a shame. Uh, you, Amazon uh, have also announced that Vimeo and Daily Motion support will be coming to the Echo Show too, or at least it's available now. So that's good. More video options. Um, a weird YouTube implementation, but at least it's there, right? Like if you have this device, you want to be able to get videos on it, um, and you can. I like think it. for this device to be, uh, I, I have one. I use it every day. For this device to be successful. As a video playing device, Amazon needs to just fully embrace that um, they need every possible video provider on here and do whatever they can. The funny, the funny thing is they have relationships because of the Fire TV, and I hate to say it, but I kind of want to say it. Like I think the Echo Show should be a Fire TV, a self-contained Fire TV set 
I think that should be one of the things that it does. And that means, um, and I don't know if it's capable of that or not, although it's running Android just like the Fire TV. So maybe it could do a subset of it. I don't know if it would need special versions of, of apps or whatever, but like what, what I'm getting at here is like, if I can install an app that plays video on a Fire TV, I should be able to do it on the Echo Show. And and that means, yeah, I should be able to watch Netflix on the Echo Show. And I know they want me to watch Prime Video because everybody who's got an Echo is going to have uh, – an Echo Show is going to have Prime, right? But sometimes I want to watch Netflix. And, like, I'm still an Amazon customer and their product is still helping me. But sometimes I want to watch Netflix. Watching live TV is another thing. They should, they should be – endeavoring to make it as easy as possible for you to say hey lady i want to watch name of a tv news channel cnn fox news msnbc whatever uh and pop to the live stream of that and if you have to put in your credentials to log into your cable provider or whatever fine but like this would be a really really more interesting product if it was also a television as silly as it is to say that Mm -hmm. it really would be well, it makes more sense for this to be the kitchen television, right? Yeah, right. Rather than with 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 the Echo Smarts in it, you know. Yeah, and and maybe Major League Baseball is another example. I've got lots of examples, but like live would be good, and access to all of my other programming. Because yeah, that's what I that's what I want. Sometimes I would be happy to just say, "Can you put on this channel?" and have it just pop in a stream that would be pretty great and i feel like it's within their technical capabilities to do that so maybe they'll get there maybe that they getting daily motion and uh and youtube uh, and other you know other sites like that on here is part of the story but they need to they need to keep going with it and they need to leverage their fire tv deals to get people's tv channels and content on this thing so we, uh, in our hashtag Ask Upgrade segment that we have at the end of the show, we've been asked quite a few times recently about the iPhone SE and if there will be a new iPhone SE. Well, there's been another uh, round of rumors about the device. Um, these all come from a website called TechZ24, which, I mean, I don't really know what this website is. Uh, it is an Indian-based technology website, but like I don't know its credentials, right? Like I've never really paid any attention right. to it other than the last time that that they had a rumor about the iPhone SE. Um, but I will say that a, a tech site based in India makes sense considering that's where the iPhone SE is made, right? Like I figured that that's why I'm giving any kind of credence to this because that logic kind of checks out to me. Um, the new rumor is saying that it is expected to ship within Q1, so by March, and to piggyback on the last one, they gave some specs of a A10 Fusion chip, 2 gigabytes of RAM, 32 or 128 gigabytes storage, 12 megapixel rear camera, 5 megapixel front camera, and a slightly larger battery at uh, 1,700 milliamp hours. I would say, like, you know, I don't know whether to say, like, oh, yeah, this is this is obviously spot on, but all of that makes sense to me. All of that makes sense that they would I think that there will be one those specs check out and yeah. launching it in Q1 that makes sense because I reckon you know that's probably when the home pods coming out like there might be some you know there might be a few things to just release at the same time there that makes sense to me and, it, and it's an iPhone 7 in that in the se case um, I've had we, we have had people ask about the se like will look different and all of that I think the I think <laughs> This is I know this is wacky, but I think we need to stop thinking of that case design as the iPhone 5 case design. And I think we need to start thinking of it as the classic small iPhone design because, you know, car designs go on a long time. I think mm-hmm. this is like that. I think this is just Apple saying, 
um, we're gonna we're gonna um, make phones that look like this for a while, and they'll always be available, but they'll be kind of kind of current. The one thing that I'm a little surprised by is if it still has a headphone jack <laughs> because Apple has moved away from that in so many places. But if it's already engineered, I mean, part of the premise here is to change as little as possible in this device and make and build it, you know, make it a low cost device. Yeah. Um, but I, I, it's not surprising other than we've been waiting for a signal that it might really be happening. And that's the uh, that's what this report at least might give us is that first signal that this is because I, I think it makes sense. It's a, it's a part of a much larger product line. It's just one little piece, but it's a good piece. And there's an audience for this product in terms of size. I know a bunch of people who have the iPhone SE because they don't want a bigger phone. And I've had people who I've shown the the 6 or the 7 or the 8 to, and they've got a, a 5S or something like that. And they're like, oh, I don't want that. And I'm so, I, I've all, I just say, get an SE, right? Mm-hmm. It, makes, it makes sense for it to be there. I don't think that design language necessarily ever has to evolve or has to evolve anytime soon. It's like uh, the, the Porsche 911. That's that's what the iPhone SE design is like. It's it's a classic design. It's not going anywhere. It's that it's a good design for that size phone, and you know that's and by not getting any thinner and lighter, it allows them to just kind of keep iterating the technology. And it's the rumor is an A10, so you know we're talking about an iPhone seven level there, not an iPhone eight level, which is you know I, I don't know. I'm a little surprised by that, but not not spectacularly surprised by that it's uh you know and upgraded cameras and yeah that's that's what we would expect is every couple of years apple will boost the specs of the se so that it's current ish yeah so i mentioned i've just been on a trip right and i wanted Uh to give some some thoughts some observations about traveling with the iphone 10 so it's just a couple of things that i noticed about the phone that i haven't really noticed too much um, in my usage before that. One is battery life. Uh, I was happy with the battery life. I was kind of paying attention to it. I haven't got any scientific tests here. But I didn't feel like my battery was dying on me. Where, you know, this is these are the times when I will be putting the phone for its paces the most when I'm traveling, right? Like spending more extended periods of time away from charges and doing more with the phone in regards to taking photos and stuff like that and looking up maps and, you know, I'm... Uh, jumping between hot, like different networks because I'm roaming more and all that kind of stuff. And I would say that the, the iPhone 10 feels really comparable to the Plus to me. Like it would last the day when I needed it to. Um, and I wasn't finding myself having to be stressed out about my battery. So I would say it's very comparable to the Plus in my usage on this trip. Um, and also, I, for the first time, really noticed how good the new cameras are. Like I think the pairing of the camera and the OLED screen and True Tone and all of that amazing stuff. I was taking pictures on this trip and was just like taken aback at how good I thought that they looked. Like I kept like me and Nadina would take a picture of the same thing and I'll be like, let's compare the pictures and like we'd look at them, right? But like, oh, look how much better mine is. Uh, she has a, an iPhone 6s and I, I was really like, there was just a lot of times like you know I was in Las Vegas, so there's a lot of color everywhere, right? Mm. And there were just things that I was taking pictures of like neon signs and stuff like that and. The color reproduction was just so wonderful. Um, I was really, really, really happy and impressed with how good that combo is, the the camera and the screen. Uh, they they work so well together. We had a uh, family, you know, family group here for Thanksgiving, as we often do. It's uh, one of our American things that we do. And um, 
we uh on the last day before people were leaving we went out uh, in the front yard and took a picture um and i you know i got out a glyph and a tripod and put the timer on and i used the iphone 10 and um I had that experience that plus users have had for a while now, but the, that I had this time, which is I didn't have to get the the camera ridiculously close because I just put it in the two X camera, mm-hmm. um, and it looked great. It looks it looked so good. It is such a good picture, and it's just one of those little little moments of like, I think this is I think this is way better than the picture I would have taken you know three weeks ago. So that's cool. How was Thanksgiving? Did you have a Thanksgiving, by the way? So we actually were coming home on American Thanksgiving. So we we left on the Wednesday, arriving home on the Thursday. And we actually had booked in London a Thanksgiving dinner. We've done this a couple of times now. We love Thanksgiving dinners. I know. So we were just we were going to hopefully fight for our jet lag and go to one in London. But the buffet and the hotel changed over their menu on like Tuesday to a Thanksgiving menu. Like they were going to have Thanksgiving food at the buffet. Ooh. So we just did that one evening and it was incredible. The food <laughs> was so good. The best part was uh, sweet potatoes with vanilla marshmallow. Oh, oh my yeah. God. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. I've had it with marshmallow before, but sure. the addition of vanilla was every that was everything. We were very vanilla happy. makes everything better. Yeah. He didn't have any pumpkin pie though, which I was super bummed about. Um, but uh, there's a Whole Foods near where Adina works, and she said that she's going to get me a pumpkin pie at some point if they still have them. Okay, they probably do. They probably do. I had a uh, I made I made a sweet potato pie, and it was very good. How was your Thanksgiving? It was good. It was a uh, it was very good. The um uh did it here, so I did the I did, I roast the turkey, did the brine oh. and roasting the turkey thing, which worked great as it usually does, and mm-hmm. we had mashed potatoes and. Uh, Brussels sprouts roasted, which are, are people hate Brussels sprouts, but they're really good when they're roasted. Um, that that get, that kills all the badness, I think. <laughs> and uh, what else did we have? I don't know. Ma- yeah, mashed potatoes, Brussels sprouts, rolls, some uh, roasted vegetables. It was good. Cranberry sauce, gravy. You know, it was a uh, it was a uh, Thanksgiving with uh, how many people did we have? Uh, seven. So yeah, around our, we stuck all the little uh, extra things in the, in the dinner table so that it can seat seven. And uh, yeah, I think everybody had a good time and it was sunny, which was nice too. Cause it was going to, it was going to, it was supposed to rain that whole time, but it didn't. So it was beautiful. The cranberry sauce that they had was a uh, real cranberry sauce. Like yeah, it had cranberries in it, you know, like it wasn't like the, 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 the stuff that comes in the can, which maintains the shape of the can. You know what I mean? You know what I'm talking about? Right, like it was it was cranberry yes. sauce that had cranberries in it. Um, I prefer the stuff that's basically just like a jelly. Um, now, did you know though, cranberries because of the contents of the cranberries, they naturally make that jelly themselves. That, that, I didn't it, know that. it seems like it's a totally artificial thing, and mm-hmm. and perhaps the ones in the can are artificial. But you can make a cranberry sauce that's basically a jelly, and it's all because of the contents of the cranberries. That's they they do that. They 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 do it that way. Yeah, you see, I, I, I don't like the cran- I want I just want the just the pu- just the pure sauce. I don't want cranberries all up in it. Like I, do, I, I, otherwise I'll eat some cranberries. You know, like I'm looking for just a sauce here. That that's my feeling on these things. Yeah, I hear you. Just a handful of cranberries. Yeah, it was good. It was all good. We we ate it all. There was none left for the leftovers. I had leftover turkey, but I did not have any leftover cranberry sauce. Not sadly, bad. not bad. You're good. That's right. And then we had some barbecue good. on uh, on Friday, Ooh. so that was good too. From yeah. that barbecue mm-hmm. place. From the yeah sure from uh, mm-hmm. from the old uh, standby barbecue place it's absolutely mm-hmm. true. I've eaten from that barbecue place and it's very good. 
whilst in the Snell Zone at one time. Mm-hmm. Today's show is also brought to you by Text Expander from our friends at Smile. With Text Expander, you can communicate smarter. When you use it, you'll be able to recall your best and most frequently used words and phrases by creating a keyboard shortcut and letting Text Expander do the work for you. Text Expander is great for teams. Like, let's say, for example, there is a marketing message that you need to communicate with clients. Uh, maybe you want to put it in your email signature, or maybe it's just like a, an offer that you want to get around whenever you're talking to people when you're you're on your sales emails who knows but like if a new service launches maybe you have a new tagline you want to make sure that it's updated for everyone so rather than saying to everyone you're sending out like an email to everybody in the team being like please copy and paste this in you don't do any of that with text expander you just say to everybody this is a snippet of text that you need to type to get all of this stuff pre-filled for you you can include any amount of information you want doesn't matter and every time it needs to be changed you change it once and everybody's snippet changes. All of the contents of their snippet will change for them. All that message will be shared across the entire team. All they need to do is remember the snippet that they need to type, and everything that's expanded will expand automatically, perfectly for them. That is the magic of shared snippets. And just one simple example of how much better your team can communicate when they use Text Expander. Text Expander is customizable with options to hide or show the app in the menu bar or the dock if you're using a Mac. Um, it has a handy search feature, so you'll be able to find your snippets from anywhere that you type on your Mac or PC. Text Expander is everywhere. It's wherever you need. If you or any of your team spend any amount of your day typing, then you need Text Expander. Go to textexpander.com slash podcast. That is T-E-X-T-E-X-P-A-N-D-E-R.com slash podcast, and you will get 20% off your first year. Just tell them that you heard about them on this show. That is textexpander.com slash podcast for 20% off your first year when you tell them that you came to them from Upgrade. Our thanks to Text Expander from Smile for their support of this show. So, Jason, you published an article to Macworld um, with the title of Why Apple's Next Laptop Should Run iOS, which is a bold claim. This is uh, emerged from Upgrade last week. This was Mm -hmm. this was John and I kind of walked into it when we were talking about iOS and Apple trying different things and. Uh, something like Microsoft Surface Studio, which is a, a desktop iOS device. You know, could Apple do that as de- a desktop iOS device with a big, big old touchscreen? And um, and it sort of came up about like, or a laptop. Like, let's let's have them do that. Like, I think, and the idea was the spirit of trying that, trying uh, you know, trying some new things with ios and apple and its laptops and uh maybe increasing the diversity of its product line a little bit by creating some more products that are different and have different uses and and learning uh what those uses are so that that, that's sort of where it came from anyway so the premise i guess if we can maybe kind of set the premise in from the article a little bit more there are a couple of interesting things that I think you dive into. So kind of looking at the products that we have now and looking at kind of where they're moving towards, there is an interesting thing in the form factors and kind of like why why do iOS devices not have keyboards and why do macOS devices not have touchscreens? Like why is it this way, right? Like because this, this is kind of, I guess, the, the thing that is stopping them converging, These maybe these two things, right? There are no fixed keyboards, no touchscreens on one and the other. And the iPad Pro, it's like it's inching its way towards becoming a laptop, 
but it isn't one, right? Like it's still a tablet. And I guess that's kind of where you're coming from with this, right? It's like the iPad Pro yeah. is, is pushing you towards this thinking. It's like there is a keyboard, but you have to attach it and it's not a laptop keyboard. I, yeah, exactly right. So I have I use the bridge keyboard, which has the clips, so you slide it in, and then it behaves basically like a laptop, mm-hmm. and it's it's a great experience. Like it, it it's that that said, it is not a laptop; it is a tablet in a little laptop case, and it's not what most people are using. They're using the smart keyboard, and the the smart keyboard, like the Microsoft Surface keyboard cover before it, is a thing that makes a tablet something that's got a keyboard, but it's not a laptop. You really you really need to put it on a on a hard surface on a desk or a table. Um, if you try to put it on your lap, it, it, it's tippy and it's it's not a great experience. And you can't really adjust the the at uh, the angle. It's sort of the angle that it gives you, and which is not to say that it isn't nice, but it is not the full on laptop experience. Yeah. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and, and and yeah, this comes up a lot about iOS devices don't have keyboards and macOS devices don't have touchscreens, like you said. Um, and I heard that a lot. Like, we, we know from Apple, like they've said, well, we don't think the touchscreen is a great place, but then they make the touch bar because it's down in the plane with the keyboard instead, but it's not in your visual plane. That argument's gone out the window now. Like, the, the touch bar and the iPad Pro ruined that argument for them because... Like the, you know, the, the old kind of like zombie arms argument, like that's gone out the window. That that's right. That well, I hear that one. I still hear that one, which is, oh, Apple's never going to do that because Apple's phil- philosophy is that no, you don't want to type on a keyboard and then reach up to touch the screen. So how are they going to change that? I got that a lot. How how explain that, Mister Wizard? Explain that one away for me. And the answer is, Apple makes the smart keyboard for the iPad. Yeah. So like, it's this is a little bit like when people uh, when I talk about maybe doing adding um, external pointing device support on iOS, people are like, well, that's insane. Once you once you can move a cursor around the screen on iOS, the jig is up. They're never going to allow that. And I have to say, there's already a cursor. The text insertion cursor is movable on both the iPhone and the iPad. There's already a cursor. It's done. Like, the, the, the genie is out of the bottle already. And the same is true for the zombie arms argument, which is, Apple makes a keyboard for use with an iPad. What is the... What is? How do you do that? The answer is, you type, and then you reach up and touch on the screen. There are no... You know, there's arrow keys, but there's no trackpad on the smart keyboard. So, so you can't even do... Say, oh, well, but you use a pointing device when you're in the keyboard mode. It's like, no, you don't. You reach up and touch the screen. And that is in the, Apple has designated that as an acceptable use case for the iPad Pro. So, you know, I I would argue it's an acceptable use case anyway because of third-party utilities. But once Apple's got their own keyboard, then you can't argue that it's like, well, third parties will do crazy stuff. But Apple doesn't believe in having a keyboard and also a touchscreen because it's already got it. It's already got it there. So my my question there is, um, why not? I, and I don't want this to be an argument about making macOS devices with touchscreens because I think that's a different argument and it has to do with how much do you want to change macOS mm-hmm. to support touch because I think it would require changes and I fundamentally don't believe Apple wants to change the Mac that much. No, I and, don't. And, like, uh, this is the, the idea of a, a laptop form factor running iOS is a way easier thing to achieve than making macOS touchable. Oh, by far, because all the pieces are already there. Exactly. I mean, literally, you all you need to do is make a piece of hardware. So they've got a phone, they've got a tablet. Make 
make a laptop or a convertible or something that is just on the other side of that divide. And and the way I think of it is, uh, and if you think about like the Surface uh, and and the Surface product line that Microsoft has got, like this is what Microsoft's trying to do, which is they have a tablet that can kind of pose as a laptop. They've got a laptop and then they've got a thing that's kind of a laptop with a detachable tablet part, which is that 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 middle product that they've got. But I view that the same way that iPad is a tablet that can pretend to be a laptop, but is primarily a tablet. Apple could create a laptop that might be able to pretend to be a tablet. We can talk about that, but it's primarily a laptop and runs iOS. And, you know, I, I heard, also heard from a lot of people who say, oh, but it can't be a real computer. It can't be a, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't compile software. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't do this or that. And it's God. like, well, again, again, I, I have very little patience for people who say that because it doesn't do one thing, it can't be, exist, right? Because the whole idea here is you have a variety of products for different users. And just because you wouldn't use it does not mean that there aren't uses for it. Because I, I had to answer a bunch of people on Twitter who were like, oh, but you can't do all of these things. I'm like, yeah, I don't do those things. <laughs> and I know a lot of people who don't do those things. My daughter used a Chromebook for uh, for several years. It does nothing. But uh, And actually, the sports writer Joe Pisnanski just wrote a piece last week about how um, he was simplifying his life. And one of the things he d- did was he sold his Mac and his PC and he bought a Chromebook, uh, a Google Pixelbook. And, uh, and he said, he said, you know, yeah, I know it doesn't do all of these things. I don't do any of those things. It does all the things I need. And, and so therefore it's perfectly relevant. And that's exactly how I was thinking about an iOS laptop or just using an iPad pro. Both of those things is no, they don't do everything all computers can do, but I didn't say let's ban all other computers because I don't feel that way. Yeah. (laughs) But I do think that there's a little slot here for something interesting and one of the things that the pixelbook does for people who don't know is it's got a hinge it's a laptop but it's got a 360 degree hinge which means that you can fold the keyboard back and treat it like a tablet and again is that is a is a a laptop folded backwards so the keyboard is behind the screen is that as good as a real tablet no it's not just like attaching a little magnetic uh, keyboard dealy to a tablet is not as good as a laptop, right? It's there is still a divide there, mm-hmm. but you can get some, you know, you can you can get some use cases that kind of go over the edge because that's what I'm saying is pri- what is your primary use case? Do you want to get a primarily a tablet that you can occasionally st- stick a keyboard on? iPad Pro is that. If you want. But what about if you want primarily a laptop, but want, sometimes want to, you know, fold it back and do tablety things? Apple doesn't have that right now, but they could. Maybe they should. So this is called the convertible form factor, the one that you're talking yeah. about. There are a lot of convertible PCs out there, too. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, the Lenovo Yoga Book, which I think is something that mm-hmm. we've spoken about before with one of them. Um, and, and basically, to be convertible, it, it has three modes. It has laptop mode. It has tablet mode, where you fold the, la- the tablet all the way around to the back. Then it also has like a... Many companies give this different names, but like a like a presentation mode or whatever, where you basically have it like a tent, right? Or so, or you can like fold it back and and lean it up, just a way basically to 
stand up the screen in front of you, right? So you can have like a 10 or you can fold it back around and kind of like have the screen angling back with their no keyboard in front, the keyboards at the back, you know, some way to presentation mode, the kind of the thing where you're just looking at the screen, maybe watching a video or whatever, like, you know, with with the smart keyboard, you wrap the smart keyboard around to the back and stand it up. It's basically a way to do that. And that's what the convertible is. The product does all three. That's kind of the the feeling like. Yeah, the Pixel Book is 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 why it was one of the prompts for me to write this too because I I see that as being it's a premium product that Google made. It's not a two hundred dollar thing. It's a thousand dollar thing, um, and so it's it is a product that legitimately Apple could build, and I think it serves a purpose. I I think that it's not for everybody, but it fills an interesting niche of uh of people like Joe Posnanski as an example, who's a sports writer. Um, it it it's it does enough for a certain group who is more likely to like a laptop than an iPad. They need a little more of the shape. And this is one of the challenges I think a lot of people have when I, when, when you talk about this. I knew this would happen when I wrote this story, is I, I heard from a lot of people who said laptops aren't for iPads, essentially. Laptops are for computers. And my answer to that is pretty simple, which is that that's totally wrong. <laughs> Uh, shapes and operating systems are different. doesn't mean they're not related, but they're different. And as somebody who's used an iPad in a laptop configuration a lot, I can tell you it works. Like, it works. Do not tell me that it doesn't work, because I know it works, because I use it in that configuration with my weird third-party Bluetooth-connected you know, if you're lucky, you get one that works. And if not, you have to send it back, slide it in with those funny little clips in order to get it into laptop mode. It doesn't really open from clamshell as easily. You got to kind of like find purchase and open it up. Lots of issues with it. But when it is working as a laptop, my iPad Pro is kind of great for what it is, right? It's not, I'm not compiling software on it. For, for my use though, it's great. So to say a laptop shape should never have an uh, a touch interface like ios on it um I, I guess you can believe what you want but i i have lived it <laughs> and i i think it is a completely valid shape for this kind of thing and the chromebook or the uh, pixel book is a is another example of that of google coming up from the other side also the pixel book does the chrome os thing where it can run android apps so uh that makes you know that makes it a more kind of similar comparison to something like this i think so in the article you call out a potential name for a product which uh, i had the little uh, brain exploding emoji when i read this that the ibook name is available <laughs> which i absolutely loved because it is right this this is essentially the ibook it is a laptop with the i in front of it it's perfect for that um but like i kind of wanted to know from you from your thinking uh would you, they seriously use this name? Would this be a third product or is it an iPad? Like, what is this product? Well, I mean, if this product even exists, who knows? I mean, the naming comes, we, we talk about names of products that are actually going to exist and not purely theoretical. I did have that moment about the iBook again, because again, iNames are kind of not what people want, but iOS products have i names and i don't think they're going away so i would love for it to be called the ibook oh by the way that was actually an argument that i heard from a bunch of people was um you can't apple can't make a laptop that runs ios because then it will have laptops that run ios and mac os and people will be confused 
And I thought, okay, is there a, a customer confusion challenge? Do you have to message these products in a very particular way to make it clear that this is not a Mac and this is a Mac? Yes, that is a challenge. However, do I think the existence of that challenge is enough to make you run away and say, well, we can't make this product. People might be confused if we didn't make an effort to make them not confused. No, no. If there's a reason enough to make the product, you make the product and then you find a way to communicate it so that people aren't confused. And some people are going to be confused regardless. They're going to be confused about the difference between a MacBook and a MacBook Pro as it is. So, uh, you know, the again, there are a lot of arguments that are, but there's this one possible problem. So therefore, we should stop having this conversation about this product. Yeah. Like, no. I don't I don't I don't think so. I think I think it could be communicated. And something like iBook versus Mac, it's like it's not a Mac. You know how you, you can tell? It doesn't have the word Mac in it. <laughs> That's the that is like the clincher. It has an I in it because it runs iOS. This is an iBook, which is probably what I would call it. Although they might also call it like iPad book or and again, I'm not saying that this product exists, but I, I think it's an interesting product that maybe maybe would be fun if it existed. And maybe Apple should do it. But uh, again, I don't want to be one of those pundits like Apple must do this or Apple. But uh, I think it would be a really cool product. And so I would like to see it exist. Yeah. Why, why are you turning your back on the Mac? Why are you doing that? Yeah. Why, are you, why, why do you want the Mac to die? I don't understand uh, why. Uh, I I got this a lot from people who said, um, <laughs> it was funny. There were a couple versions of this. One is, yeah, why do you hate the Mac? And the other one is, no, no, no. This product needs to not exist because if Apple does this, it's the it's the final death blow for the Mac. Because once they start make, making iOS laptops, the Mac is not going to be around in ten years. Which I think is a really interesting argument because I think that that is. Um, <laughs> That is getting the sequence backward. I can see how you get to there. I, I, I can see how you get there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but it's putting the sequence backwards. Like, if... if it's, the, it's like maybe a nail in the coffin. Like, if Apple does this, the jig is up. That may be true. That may be true. It may not be, but it may be. But it's not the thing that causes the jig to be up. It's not the, it's not the thing that caused a coffin to be constructed. It's just the latest symptom of the fact that Apple might be uh, finding a way to move past the Mac. Um, also, a, a discussion for another time, but you know, there's, there's also this question of, will just because Apple has the Mac and iOS, um, one possible future is iOS becomes more and more capable and the Mac sort of becomes this legacy product that stays on the side, which is sort of what's been happening the last few years. Another possibility is that like Google is doing with Project Fuchsia, Apple is actually building something uh, and Steve Trotton Smith and I were having a little back and forth on this with some other people on Twitter this weekend about it. Um, you know, maybe there's a, a new OS <laughs> that Apple is working on that is drops a lot of the um, initial assumptions of iOS and a lot of the baggage of the Mac and creates a new thing that's more flexible and fits into all of these shapes and allows them to do a touchscreen interface on traditional computer shapes that is uh, not just kind of laying that on top of the old Mac interface, but is something new and allows iOS apps and maybe modern Mac apps to kind of go there. Maybe that will happen in a few years. That's that's a possibility too. So it may not be the Mac being replaced by iOS at all. But in the meantime, yeah, I I, I like the Mac. I use a Mac. I'm not one of these um, iOS only people. I was um, uh, 
I have a I have an iMac 5K and I love it. Um, but in all my other away from my desk contexts at this point, I am using iOS and I love it too. Um, I would have a hard time doing my job if I could never use a Mac at this point, um, which is why I don't try. But uh, some people won't. <laughs> and other people... You know, we'll find like I do that the Mac is good over here and and iOS is good over there. And, and you know, I, I feel that that's I mean, that's where I am right now. So I don't hate the Mac. I love the Mac. And if the Mac stays around forever, that's great. If the Mac went away tomorrow, I would be extremely sad because there's so much of what I do does require a Mac. I would manage. I don't think I would have to go to Windows, although you never know for for limited desktop use. I would try to manage without. But nobody's going to make us do that. It's going to be a long time. Um, I do think it's interesting because I also heard from a bunch of people about Apple's laptops, the, you know, the MacBook Pro, especially, and like all this consternation about Apple's laptops. The last thing Apple needs to do is build a different laptop um, that isn't a Mac because they'd be distracted. And again, I'm going to just say, I don't believe it. <laughs> like, I think that this is a thing, a thing Apple should also work on. And if you're mad about the MacBook Pro, that's fine. Maybe you should be. I get it. I get those arguments. Um, I'm mad about the MacBook Pro is not a reason why an iOS laptop couldn't be a good product. Um, I also heard from somebody, and I don't know what their level of knowledge and authority is within, in terms of Apple sources, who said that originally the MacBook ran iOS. <laughs> and that, in, that, that, that was part of the idea originally. And then in the end, it ran macOS. I'm not sure that's true or not, but you could definitely see a MacBook-like thing running ios if it was a touchscreen i do feel like having it be convertible having a convertible shape that is more like one of these windows or chromebook convertibles might be a better way to do it but but i love the mac i just think that one of the challenges with the mac is that it doesn't provide some things that they would have to totally uh change how the mac works to add touch on it and i i do fundamentally believe that if apple Apple really expected the Mac to transform over the next five or 10 years into a touchscreen interface, it would have started a long time ago. And I don't think it's going there. So I think the reason the Mac doesn't have touch is not because Apple doesn't believe that you can mix touch and keyboards. I think it's because Apple doesn't believe the Mac can mix touch and keyboards. So I was thinking, Jason, if I would want this device, would I want a laptop that runs iOS, an iOS laptop? My answer is a resounding yes, because my 12.9-inch iPad Pro is a laptop. I never take the keyboard off. It's always in landscape orientation. Or If the keyboard is not in front of it, then it's wrapped around the back, right? Like I am one of these, I run it like in this convertible mode sometimes. We may watch video on it when we're maybe at the, at the dining table or something. But most of the time, like 90% of the time, my iPad has the keyboard in front of it and is always in landscape orientation. I never use my 12.9 inch in tablet mode. I just don't do that. Like I don't sit and, and read Twitter on my iPad Pro with it in portrait on my lap. If I read Twitter on my iPad Pro, I do it with the keyboard in front and I press the space bar to scroll through TweetBot. Like I use my 12.9 inch iPad Pro like a laptop all the time. Um, why do I do it? So then I know people are going to be asking the questions that they always ask, which is, why do I do this? Don't I know how much better all of this would be if I just used a Mac? And purely because I prefer using iOS to macOS. It's 
what I like. like. I like that the system has like a forced focus to it. Like I can use a couple of apps at a time and that works really great for me. Um, the app ecosystem is vastly more exciting for me than the one that exists on the Mac. And I personally believe that iOS is closer to the, I mean, I've said this a million times and I'll say it a million times more, it's closer to what the future of computing will be than the Mac. I just do. I just where, It's where I think computing is right now. Like if there is a starting point for the next 10 years, it's probably iOS rather than Mac OS. And wherever, whatever might be next, I think it is closer to what iOS does. And the Mac is amazing at what it does. It's why I use one every day. It's why I'm talking to people like right now via my Mac as well. I edit this podcast on my Mac. It is the device that has all of the power to do the really heavy lifting that I need to do with my production. But whatever, absolutely everything else is done on an iPad. So like I use my 10.5 inch as a more traditional iPad. Like I will have that one in a tablet mode with the keyboard wrapped around the back of it and just like read Twitter on it and stuff like that. Like that's what I use that one for. But my big iPad Pro, it's like a laptop. And that's just the way that I like to use it. So I would love to have an iPad in this function like in this form. It'd be great. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, when I, I thought about you when I was thinking about this, that you, you use that 12.9 iPad as a laptop, essentially. And I don't, I don't use, keep my iPad in that, uh, in that laptop case uh, all the time. But I, when I travel, I kind of do. And I like, I like taking the laptop out. I, I don't know whether I would use this product or not. I'm not telling Apple you should design this product for me because I may prefer the tablet, but I would be interested in it because I think it would be a great writing machine because I love writing on my iPad as it is. Um, but I, I just, I feel this is probably a good time to wrap this up and, and, and kind of call back to last week and, and the conversation I had with John, which um, to boil it down was not let's invent future products that Apple might never do. <laughs> it was this, which is iOS is a fun, interesting, and young platform in ways that the Mac is not. The Mac is powerful, flexible, um, but it is not what iOS is, which is Apple's kind of new platform. Apple also has far more customers and far more market success on iOS than it does on macOS. Just bottom line, right? Because of iPhone predominantly. But as we've talked about, iPad sales, which are turning around now, which is also a good indicator for this, but uh, iPad units, there are more iPads out there in use than Macs, right? That's the fact. It doesn't, it doesn't make as much money, but they're, because they have a lower average selling price, there are more iPads out there than Macs. Um, right now, iOS, so interesting platform. It's only on iPad or iPhone. Why not go other places? That's, that's sort of what John and I were riffing on last week. Eventually, John said... It needs to go those places. Like eventually, it's hard to imagine that there wouldn't be a Surface Studio-like product from Apple. It's very hard to imagine that. And is that going to be a Mac? Probably not, right? For all the reasons that that we've indicated and that Apple has indicated. Like a Mac, a touchscreen Mac is probably not something, unless they make some huge changes in their strategy, probably not going to happen. But that's a really interesting shape for especially creative users. But, you know, in general, a a big desktop touchscreen device sounds good. Okay, well, that's probably going to run iOS unless they have a future OS that comes out that's the best of both worlds, which maybe they will, maybe they won't. Um, 
And if you're going to do that shape, I mean, the laptop shape, it's incredibly popular. Two, you know, three quarters of all Macs sold are laptops. People like laptop shapes. And iOS is Apple's hot platform that's got the most app momentum and it's got, you know, it's got the most sales already and people are really used to it. Why not have an iOS laptop? People like that. Apple makes all of this conversation about Fortune 500 companies and Fortune 100 companies and how they have really gotten into iOS and they, they, that this is a great source of success for them in uh, enterprises is iPads. And I think, you know what enterprise people like? <laughs> they like laptops. <laughs> so I'll throw that in there too. Some of them like laptops and, and, and saying, well, you can get this iPad with a keyboard. Maybe you let them get a laptop if they want, and they still get to use the whole iOS infrastructure that their company has built in. Um, and then momentum. I mentioned sales seem to be gaining some momentum on the iPad side and are still going great on the iPhone side, of course. Um, the OS development feels like it's got momentum. iOS 11 has added a whole lot, which is gives me more confidence. I would not have made this argument maybe a, a few years ago before the multitasking stuff in iOS 9, and iOS 11 has made it so much better. So put all that together, and you know, basically what I'm saying is, let's go. I, I feel like this is this is where they're going in the future. So let's go there. Let's 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 do it. I'd love to see it, and maybe it won't happen, or maybe it won't happen for years. But as a thought exercise, it's like I think that would be. A great product and i think a lot of people would like it and it wouldn't be for everyone <laughs> and i don't think apple would discontinue all other products and force everybody to use an ios laptop but i think it could be a, a great product that a lot of people would really like yeah i completely agree with you um and we'll see we'll see maybe one day i mean honestly when i read it it didn't feel like it was a really wild thing to me i feel like it's definitely a possibility I can see it. I knew this would be the kind of thing that that some percentage of people, I don't know if it's half and half, some percentage of people would look and be like, sure, of course, which is sort of how John took it when he and I were talking about it last week. It's like, yeah, it seems inevitable, doesn't it? And that another group would be like, this is absolutely bonkers. <laughs> and that's, I think that's interesting about how we, how we see the world. But um, yeah, I, I think it's just one of those things that I started thinking about it and I thought, yeah, actually... It makes a lot of sense, uh, I, I, and I would love to see it. What would that be like? What would, what would a brand new iOS device in a new category where Apple could completely throw away a lot of the baggage of what must be in a Mac laptop, what would that look like? I'll tell you this also. The people who use that product would not be complaining about, you know, all the things. I mean, they might complain about the keyboard. We would see. But they, they, they wouldn't be complaining about the ports, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Yeah, because <laughs> we only need one of them, right? We Maybe only have two. the one. Yeah, I'd like. I, I I didn't mention my story, but I would like to see USB C on that laptop too. But you know, we'll see. We'll see if it ever happens. What it, what it has on it, but it would make sense. I think the iPad Pro should probably have USB C on it, but it doesn't. Not yet. All right, it's time for some hashtag Ask Upgrade, which is making its triumphant return as it was missed last week. Uh, hashtag Ask Upgrade this week is brought to you by Balance Open, a free open source Mac app for checking Coinbase. Coinbase is a popular marketplace for cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin and Ethereum, and Balance Open is the best open source digital wallet to help you keep track of everything. I uh, opened the official Twitter app today and I saw one of those Twitter moments saying that as of today, Bitcoin is the highest that it's ever been, like in value. So uh, it's cryptocurrency stuff. Turns out there's something to it. It seems to be heating up and it just keeps going 
more and more and more. Balance want to help teach you about cryptocurrencies, and they want to do that by getting you started on your way. The first 1,000 people to go to bal.money slash relay will receive $2 in the Ethereum currency for free as a gift from Balance. Go check it out today at bal.money slash relay. Find out more and try out Balance Open. Our thanks to Balance for their support of this show. Okay, Jason, Benjamin wants to know, where do you go to find cool wallpapers? I do a lot of space wallpapers. So astronomy picture of the day and various NASA websites, all of those pictures are generally publicly available at full resolution because they're coming from public agencies. Mm-hmm. And uh, I will save those out to a little folder on, on my Mac or I will drag them into photos and sync them so that I can I can have them on my iOS devices. That's usually where I go. It's usually space stuff. I'm currently on my iPad using one of the stock Apple backgrounds with the six rainbow colors and an orange background, which is uh, pretty great. Yeah. But but usually it's um, and actually I I will put in a plug. I'm using as my home screen background now. I'm using the Cortex Grid oh, iPhone cool. 10 wallpaper by Frank, uh, and I like that too. So I guess Relay FM membership is another way to get some but the space stuff is is generally from the astronomy picture of the day and various nasa websites yeah i use either a relay fm membership wallpaper if you're a member there there is uh there's a bunch of options available to you for desktop and mobile wallpapers so if you're a relay fm member um check links to emails with emails who sent you it has all the links in there where you can go and grab these um, if you're a new member you get them when you sign up a link to download them all um, you can go and check those out they're amazing I use those and but for my lock screen uh, I use photos I have a picture of me editing it there now like on my iPhone on my uh, on my iPads um, I actually use the old Mac wallpapers that uh, Stephen and Frank put together which are hilarious and I love it. Like I, I love using these old Mac wallpapers, like from Tiger, and <laughs> uh, I think I use Tiger and Snow Leopard. I think <laughs> um, because Tiger, Tiger was my first. Like my first Mac was running Tiger, so that means something to me. And I love the space ones that they used, and Snow Leopard's my favorite. So uh, my iPads use those because I think that's kind of funny. But for my iPhones, I use either the Real Infant member stuff um, and uh, personal pictures. Chris asks, I'm thinking of buying an Apple Watch as a gift for a non-techie family member. So Chris's instinct would be to get the Series 3, but he says, I'm not sure that they would care about it, the the family member. So with cellular and GPS aside, what other gains do you get with the Series 3 that are not in the Series 1? Um, It's speed, waterproofing, swimming-related, and... um speak uh, siri um speaking out loud so there's a whole bunch of things now it was a little bit different when it was between series one and series two where it was really just the swimming stuff the waterproof stuff Mm -hmm. but with series three um it is the uh it is also it's a lot faster i think i think they have the same screen but it's a lot faster and it's got the it's it's siri is able to speak out loud which is nice yeah um I think that the swimming is great and the speed is great. Like that, they're my. T- that's what I would underscore those features. Like if if that person's a swimmer, it's perfect for them, right? Um, because it's the only one that like is officially supported. 
uh, to swim in, and it has like swimming sensors in it for when you exercise, which is fantastic. Uh, and I think the overall speed, the overall speed turned the Apple Watch into really a watch computer for me, like a wrist computer. Like it has gotten so much better, and it continues to get better and better. So they would be the reasons. Um, if they're a non-techie family member, they probably they might not even care about the speed. I don't know, and I don't know if they care about Siri. So it might be worth getting the Series One. But if that seems like either of those features speak to that person, then great. And or if you want to read, uh, want to read the watch dot if you want LTE, I don't know. But yeah, that's, you end up going to pretty expensive at that point. <laughs> yeah. Todd asked, Jason, what blog creation software do you use? Do you use something like Blogo or Mars Edit or some kind of built-in CMS editor? Um, the short version is I generally write in a in a text editor and then use the browser to post things to Six Colors. Um, or the actually for my Macworld column for the Macworld CMS. I don't write in, never write in the CMS, first off. I think most people know that. Never write in the CMS. I have used Mars Edit in the past, and I've just been trying it out again recently. Um, one of my challenges with Mars Edit is that we have a whole bunch of custom things in the Six Color CMS that um, it sort of works and sort of doesn't. Um, but the last time I used it, it actually worked pretty well. So I think maybe some that Daniel Jalkut, who does Mars, Mars Edit, fixed those things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so, and so I'm using it more. Dan Morin, I think, uses Mars Edit for all of his um, all of his six color stuff that he writes for our CMS. So um, yeah, but mostly I just write in a text editor, and Which then is I BB will take edit for you, right? Mostly BB Edit, and and it's editorial now for the most part on iOS, although it goes back and forth. Um, the, uh, yeah. And if I can paste in Markdown, cause I write in Markdown, I do that for Macworld, I convert it to HTML using the Markdown script and then paste that in. But I write in Markdown in a text editor generally, and then just paste in the CMS. So our next question comes from Ian, and Ian says, I recently bought my wife an iPad Pro for her birthday. What apps do you recommend for serious research-based writing? She is working on her doctoral thesis. I don't have a lot of experience with this, although this was a Twitter thread that happened. Um, and the So I think Ian has gotten some answers on Twitter. Um, what I told Ian, and I think has been backed up, is the, the two long-form long form iOS apps that I've heard people using a lot are Scrivener and Ulysses. So I recommend them. There may be others, but I think it's worth looking at Scrivener and Ulysses because I've heard of people who've done um, doctoral dissertations on both of those apps. So they've got lots of extra stuff for research purposes. So it's worth checking them both out. Yeah. If you're doing the writing and the researching in one place, I believe that they're the best from, from like people that I know that do similar types of stuff. Federico, basically. Uh, and Justin asked, on my watch, when I finish in the pool or the shower and press the eject water, does the tone that plays do anything or is it just for show? So it is doing something. So yeah, what happens is the Apple Watch is like perfectly sealed except for the speaker. And there's a little chamber that sits inside of the speaker which can fill up with water. And what that tone is doing is spitting the water out of the speaker chamber so therefore, keeping things nice and dry inside of your watch. And I've seen it. Yeah, a, a tone is vibration, mm-hmm. right? A tone is a vibration of the membrane of the speaker. And in this case, the tone is vibrating the speaker so that the water gets shot out. So so it's 
Um, we almost did this last week. And the way John Syracuse put it is um, something like, yeah, it, it that's what it does. It does what it does. The tone yep. is the ejection of the water. They go together. Boop, 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 boop. That's where it goes, just like that. If that's you, if exactly. You're inter- if well you're interested done. in knowing the sound, uh, I hear it a lot. So that's what it does, um, and I think it's funny, and it's it's funny to see the water spitting out of it, which doesn't happen every time, but every now and then you'll see it. So watch for it, and you'll see it happen. Um, there you go. So that is Ask Upgrade. Hashtag Ask Upgrade. If you want any questions for us to answer at the end of the show, you just tweet them out with the hashtag Ask Upgrade, and they will go into our list. Uh, there was lots of very important information in the show notes today. Um, you can find them in your app of choice or relay.fm slash upgrade slash 169. That includes the fourth annual Upgradies voting form and links to our merchandise, which is available until the end of this week. Um, I will be reminding you about the Upgradies voting form next week, so don't worry. But you you should go fill it out because we don't have a ton of time. Just a couple of weeks to, to get that sorted and get your entries in for the Upgradies. Uh, I want to thank our sponsors for this week's episode, Balance Open, Text Expander from Smile and Encapsula for supporting the show. And of course, thank you for listening. As always, you can find Jason online at sixcolors.com and he is on Twitter at jsnell. I am at imike, I-M-Y-K-E, and we'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, Jason Snell. The Upgrade program was presented by Jason Snell and Mike Hurley. Executive producers for Real AFM were Mike Hurley and Stephen Hackett. Our artwork was created by Frank Forgotten Towel. Our theme music is by Christopher Breen. This episode was edited by Mike Hurley. <laughs>